This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by the Craven Diner and their new Meat Lovers Pizza. Craven, how sweet, fresh meat. <laughs> Get it, Craven. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's a dream week on Pod Cemetery with A Nightmare on Elm Street for the Dream Master from 1988 and Before I Wake from 2016. Now, before we get to the movies, Kelsey, normally we do horror trivia, but we're not going to do horror trivia this week. And why is that? Uh, because we need a new horror trivia game because I can't keep just going through billions of cards We've, looking at the same questions I've asked a million times. We have gone through two or three different board games that are centered around horror trivia, a book around horror trivia. And they just have, they, they have a lot of movies that we have not covered. Yeah. But it's also crazy how many movies we've covered that none of these games even talk about. Right. Yeah. And in those movies that we haven't covered, it's not like, you know, who's, who's Frankenstein? <laughs> you know, like, it's not like that. It's obscure movies that we haven't ever seen and there's no way we'd get. And that sort of trivia is not fun. Well, there's also a lot of trivia about movies that we that we might have seen outside of the show. Uh -huh. But I don't get why that's fun for our listeners to hear <laughs> us talk about movies. It's like, oh, well, they've never covered that movie. I've never seen it. Why? Okay. So <laughs> if you guys know of any good like trivia sources for horror movies that aren't just bullshit. Cause let's be frank. There's a lot of bullshit horror trivia out there. <laughs> Let us know. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to use that in the future, but that means no trivia. It's gotten to the point that I've been create for the past several months. I've been creating my own trivia based on the notes that I have. And Sometimes that gets really, really convoluted. <laughs> like, the answer to my trivia question this week was going to be Rennie Harlan. Like, of course it was. Who's Rennie Harlan? The director of Dream Master. <laughs> okay. <laughs> also the director... The Viking guy? Yes, also the director of Cutthroat Island and Exorcist the Beginning and Die Hard 2 and The Long Kiss Goodnight and Deep Blue Sea. That's... He did Exorcist the Beginning? Yeah, we've talked about him so much, Kelsey. <laughs> Okay, so you wouldn't have gotten it. No. <laughs> I thought for sure you would get that. Wait, so he did the beginning. Is that the one we like? That's the bad one. That's the bad one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he was brought in to refilm the original one. Yeah. Anyway, that brings us right into <laughs> 1988's A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, directed by Rennie Harlan. It was, in fact, his big break in Hollywood. With story by William Kotzwinkel and Brian Helgeland. Screenplay by Brian Helgeland and Jim and Ken Wheat, under the name Scott Pierce, for some reason. I'm sure there's a fun story there, but I didn't care. 
based on characters created by Wes Craven, starring Robert Englund, the first time he's ever been top billed in a Nightmare movie. Rodney Eastman, Tuesday Night, Ken Sagos, Sagos, I didn't remember it when we did Dream Warriors either. <laughs> Danny Hassel, Andres Jones, Toy Newkirk, Brooke Thies, and Lisa Wilcox. Also, Linnea Quigley in a small role as, quote, Soul from Freddy's Chest. Oh, she's the one who's naked. Yeah, and has her tits popping out of Freddy's chest. That makes sense. Of course, Linnea Quigley, we know on this show, specifically on movies we've covered from... Night of the fucking Demons. Night of the Demons, yes. Return of the Living Dead, Silent Night, Deadly Night, and Graduation Day. She was in all of those. (laughs) Um, And more. Is Night of the Demons the one where she draws on her face? That's Night of the Demons, yes. Return of the Living Dead is where she plays, uh, what's her name, Trash, I think. That's where she's naked And she does the the, the striptease on top of the And she's very embarrassed to shave. Yes, so they built a whole, like, prosthetic piece. (laughs) You might have noticed, not on that cast list, Patricia Patricia Arquette. Yeah. No one seems to know why she didn't come back, except for Joey, Rodney Eastman, uh, who claims that she wasn't asking for much, but it was more than she asked for the last time, and New Line is notoriously cheap, so... They weren't willing to pay. Notoriously. And, I mean, even Robert Englund yeah. says, like, yeah, they gave you freedom. They wanted you to, they trusted you to make the movie without them meddling. Uh-huh. But they paid you nothing. Yeah. That was the New Line way. If they liked you, they left you alone. They worked the crap off of you and they didn't pay you a lot. But you knew you were doing their next movie. So if you got on that New Line boat, that was a good ship to be sailing on. That, I believe. But everyone else is like, I don't know, maybe she had a conflict or something. Yeah, everybody thinks, that, like, oh, she must have been busy. Because she was starting to become famous at that point. Yeah. But, no. <laughs> I I fully believe if you've got Robert Englund telling you, oh, they paid you shit. Yes. And then you've got one guy who very confidently is just like, she asked for a little bit more money and they said no. Yeah. Like, it's just, I believe that. <laughs> I remember our disappointment in Nightmare 4 that we couldn't get Patricia Arquette. She had been such an integral part to Nightmare 3, and people liked her so much. I'm not 100% sure why uh, Patricia Arquette did not return. To this day, I don't know why. I don't think there's any any, uh, untoward reason. I think maybe she was busy. Patricia was already starring in other movies then, and she, it just may have simply been a conflict. Maybe her agents wanted wanted too much money, and Bob Shea didn't want to pay, and said, in Bob Shea style, said, screw you. They just wouldn't pay her the money that she asked for, and it was very little, uh, and definitely uh, what she deserved. This, of course, was in interviews in Never Sleep Again, the documentary the long, very, very long documentary that goes movie by movie into the history of A Nightmare on Elm Street. Highly, highly recommended if you like the series. It's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. You also get to see how they did the Freddy's chest with the souls bit, and you actually see it collapsing and people falling from the rafters. Yes. It's fascinating. <laughs> anyway, what is Dream Master about? Not Patricia Arquette, but the character. Tuesday Night Now. Yes. Who apparently the rest of the cast was really upset with because she was having, I guess, a relationship with Rennie Harlan at the time, and they were just terrible about it. Oh. He would favorite her over every other cast member all the time. They would delay 
production because they were fooling around or whatever. And that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So Kristen is still alive, as are Joey and, and Kincaid. Yep. And Kristen has moved on. Kristen has a new boyfriend. Kristen has new friends. Well, we don't know that they weren't always her friends because this apparently is the school that she always went to. So they might have been her friends before all the friends. Oh, before stuff she was sent off to the yes, loony bin. Uh, yeah. And they all just accepted her when she came back sure. without any question. Sure. Cool. Yeah. So she has these this new group of friends, but she also still has Joey and Kincaid. And she believes that Freddie has come back, and of course she is correct. Freddie decides to use her ability, which is to bring people into her dream, to his advantage. Yeah. I'm going to use you to kill the other people. But first he gets rid of Joey and Kincaid so that she can't bring them in to help her. Yeah, and uses Kincaid to bring him back. Yes, and then... In the most remarkable way to resurrect Freddy in the entire franchise. stupid. (laughs) But then he, of course, wants to try and get her new friends. Fresh meat. Yeah, fresh meat. Oh, man. No longer the Elm Street children. Yes, so this is going to be the end. All the original Elm Street children are killed ostensibly Well, that's what we think. I don't know about five and six. I know six completely changes the lore, and that's why six is fucking Six is the one where there are no more kids in the city, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Six is so stupid. I don't remember exactly what five is. I think five is where he tries to take over a there's Beatus. a dream child. Yeah. yeah. So he's trying to, uh, he's trying to be Beatus's reborn. Dreams. Uh-huh. Something like and that. And I know that it's... It's that kid, yeah. It's the new character. We'll, and we'll talk about that yeah. when we get to that. Let's not speculate anyway, until we've seen it recently. So... The movie is available with subscriptions to HBO Max. You can rent it for $3 on Fandango, Redbox, and Microsoft, $4 on everything else. You can buy it for only $5 on Apple, Amazon, Google, and YouTube. 10 to $11 everywhere else. Should people watch Dream Master? If you are, if you have seen the first and the third and you liked them, yeah. Yes. I I was wrong about my hypothesis in the last episode. Like, this was a lot better than I remember it being. Now, now, it's still a middling nightmare movie. I have a theory. Uh Uh-huh. Here's my theory. Okay, let's hear it. Now, this only applies to people who are watching the series in, like, a spurt. Yes. If you take years in between, if you watched these actually in theaters, then this theory does not apply to you. Uh Uh-huh. But if you are trying to sit down and be like, I want to watch the whole series, this is what happens. First one is great. Second one is like, what the fuck just happened? It's great for completely different reasons. Three, great. Uh Uh-huh. Then you have four. And if you're watching them in quick succession, you're going to be so mad that it's not Patricia Arquette. Uh-huh. That, and then that they kill Kincaid and Joey so fast. Yeah. That you're going to think, I don't like this movie. Uh-huh. But just then you're killed gonna off see, all the characters I like. But then you're going to see five, and you're going to be like, ah, four was a tiny bit better. Then you're going to see six and be like, oh my god, this is a piece of shit. And you're going to be like, <laughs> I guess five wasn't so bad. And that's how you remember four and five. Uh-huh. Just kind of whatever. But four is actually it's, pretty it's decent pretty when it's good. just by itself. And it was the uh it was the most successful Freddy movie until Freddy vs. Jason, which obviously combined two viewership groups to make a lot of money. 
it, it made the most money of any Freddy movie uh, except for Freddy versus Jason or until Freddy versus Jason. So it w- did very well. And I can see why. Like it's there's some great scenes in this. Oh, my God. Some of the scenes. It's funny because when we watch because I get three and four, I blend them. Because it's got Joey, Kincaid, and Kristen. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, like, when we watched three, and we were both like, wait a minute, that's not how Joey dies. Right, and then yeah. Joey didn't die. And we uh-huh. were like, what? And then we watched this, and we're like, oh, that's why we remembered yeah. how he died, because that is how he fucking died. Yeah. I also remember Kincaid and Joey dying a lot earlier in the movie. They get more Way scenes. Way earlier. They get more scenes than I remember. Yeah. Apparently in an earlier draft Kincaid died like on page three or something like that. From what I remembered, he died in the first scene. It's so right? weird no, how he I gets, didn't remember He that goes directly. into a dream, he survives, he talks to Kristen, he goes into another dream, and he dies in that second dream. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, it's it's remarkable. I would tell my friends, if you're going to the movie to see me in part four, go straight to the theaters. Don't get no popcorn, don't get no drinks or nothing, because my ass will be dead by the time you sit down. But yeah, I mean, you should definitely watch it. If you're liking the nightmare movies up to this point this isn't going to be as good as what you've seen already but it still holds up yes there's some nonsense but there's always nonsense in a nightmare movie yes you can take our advice or leave it when we get back we will talk about 1988's a nightmare on elm street for the dream master there is no one more terrifying on the screen today the first in fear (laughs) and you thought it was only a movie it's a brand new nightmare welcome to wonderland a nightmare on elm street part four the dream master rated r starts friday at theaters everywhere when deep sleep falleth on men fear came upon me and trembling which made all my bones to shake Job 4, 13 to 14. That's how the movie starts. Along with a song that's singing about running from this nightmare. And yeah. I think you should definitely play that song. <laughs> and this is when I first realized that it was a Rennie Harlan movie because his name comes right up on the screen. I'm like, oh, it's Rennie Harlan. <laughs> Who, by the way, was, like we said earlier, they give you a lot of freedom and control to do however you want. Came up with a lot of this stuff. Because the script was so bare bones that he ended up needing to come up with a lot of like the concepts, the scares and stuff like that in pre-production and sometimes on the fly uh, as they were recording this. So a lot of this really is Rennie Harlan's baby. So we see Kristen, no longer Patricia Arquette. Yeah. Sad day. She comes upon a little girl, and there's always these girls in these giant dresses. I think they explain it later in the franchise. Do they? I feel like they do. Well, later they describe them as angels. Yeah. But that doesn't make any sense, because up until this point in the in the franchise, they are like his messengers. They're harbingers, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. they're the ones that are there to tell you Freddy's coming. Uh-huh. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. But I guess he's, they're the Silver Surfer to... <laughs> Freddy's Galactus. <laughs> so she comes upon a, the little girl drawing Nancy's house, which is now defunct. Because Nancy's no longer a character. Defunct? 
Yeah. Okay. So she goes into the house, which is all dilapidated. Uh Uh-huh. And it was fun. They did an endless house joke where she opens up the door and it's just the rest of the house again. Yeah, she gets in and she realizes where she is. So she turns around and goes through the front door again and it's just the house again. Yeah, Mm -hmm. she's clever. And she, at one point, like she's in the rain or something and she gets drenched. And it's funny because she then comes upon something that ends up blowing her back into the boiler room where Freddy is. Uh And then she's suddenly dry. And I thought that was kind of clever because she's being blown. Uh huh. And then she goes into a place that's really hot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But when she gets put into this boiler room, she calls out for Joey and Kincaid. Who gets sucked into her dream. Who also get pissed off at her. Yes, they get very mad. Kristen, we need sleep. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, um, and she says, you know, he's coming back, and they're like, he is dead and buried. But what happens? Kincaid's dog, Jason, bites her. Yeah, and that should be an indication that we shouldn't trust this dog. <laughs> but Kincaid trusts his dog. It's sad. You don't want to turn a dog into a villain. But they do. But it kind of is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though in real life, it's a very sweet dog. In the dream world, it does two things and both things are terrible. <laughs> this is the first one. It bites Kristen. Then we are introduced to our new main girl. And her name is... Alice, played by Lisa Wilcox. And when we meet Alice's dad, like, he's kind of abusive, but, like, only verbally. Well, they make him seem a lot like the mom from the first one. Right, he's supposed to be an alcoholic. But there's no arc there. Yeah, like, he's just a dick to his kids. Uh Uh-huh. At least in the first one, like, she was an alcoholic because of what she had done. Right. They gave her a reason. But they're, they're Elm Street kids. Apparently, the dad did that, too. No. Well, These he's, aren't Elm he's, Street kids. Oh, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. He's just an alcoholic, abusive dad. Because their mom died or something? Maybe. Yeah. But, like, the first thing he says to his daughter is, are you really going to school dress like that? And did you see what she was wearing? Well, that's what, I, that's <laughs> what I'm going to say. When, I, when you say that, what do you picture her wearing? Like a short skirt and heavy makeup and showing her bare midriff. But instead, the joke, or I guess not joke, but the point, is that she dresses frumpy and has zero confidence. Yeah. And I'm like, what dad would be mad that his daughter doesn't have confidence? Uh-huh. Like, doesn't have that kind that of confidence. That kind of yeah. confidence. It doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> but Alice's brother, Rick... Is Kristen's boyfriend. We meet him here, too. Trying to avoid his father. At first, they were supposed to be twins. Then they changed that. Now they're just somehow in the same grade. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Why not just make them... Just make them twins. Yeah, make them twins. Yeah. They don't look anything alike. That happens. Yeah. And he is, like, way into karate. (laughs) Yeah, which apparently was not planned. Like, it wasn't, hey, he's going to be really into karate, so that's how we're going to kill him. His death was going to be completely different than it is in the movie, and they couldn't afford to do that one. So they're like, oh, well, then we'll give him a karate death because we already established that he likes karate. Then why was that scene in the movie then? So weird. (laughs) But okay. Yeah, this guy went to, like, classes for a couple months. And then then they they didn't even use him. Yeah, they barely did it. He, He kept finding ways to incorporate these moves that he had learned. Uh-huh. He was like, fuck you, I did these classes, I'm doing it. 
We are also introduced to the lazy badass friend who's afraid of cockroaches. What is her name? Debbie. Debbie, and she has some hair. Yes. I wrote down, that is some hair. Love it. <laughs> I don't know if that was a wig because you see shots from her from like the filming and she's blonde. Oh, really? Yeah. So I don't know if it's a wig or she died and teased her hair. That's but... her tough wig. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Just this blown out kind Huge. of thing. Yeah. And Sheila. Sheila. Who's who, the nerdy friend. Who is the nerdy friend who, for some reason, lets them cheat off of her? Yeah. I don't know what that's about. I really liked her. She's a really anticlimactic death. That's a problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She likes her death. She yeah. says that she thinks it's fun. And I'm like, you got the most anticlimactic one. Yeah. You wake up in a classroom and then you get sucked dry. Yeah. That's it. You don't even get a chase scene. Nope. You don't even know what's going on. Yeah, she doesn't even know who Freddy is when this <laughs> happens. But so, yeah, they establish very quickly that this girl is afraid of cockroaches. But they only say it, like, twice. Yeah. Uh -huh. And then she has a cockroach death. And it is terrifying. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I don't think you even need to establish that she's afraid of cockroaches to make this terrifying. Mm-hmm. But so, Kristen says hi to Joey and Kincaid, who or are they come up with to her. her and are like, what the fuck? You're going to wake him back up again. Stop yeah. doing this. Mm -hmm. And her boyfriend is like, what's up with the freaks or whatever? And she's like, if you think they're freaks, then you must think that about me. Yeah. Which was good. I yeah. liked that. I like that she stuck up for her friends. But it's interesting because what they're telling us here is she hasn't told him about Freddie. Yeah, or if she has, he doesn't believe it. Maybe. Yeah. But it seems like he just does, none of her friends know. And I guess that makes sense. If I went to <laughs> if I went to a mental asylum where I then beat a dream monster. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I would tell other people. <laughs> Especially if you thought he was gone for good. Yeah. But yeah, then we unfortunately see Kincaid's death. In a junkyard where he was buried, where Freddy's bones were buried, if and you remember cool, Dream Warrior. It's a cool shot when he gets, like, surrounded by the cars. Yeah, and, and then it zoom zooms out, out and, and the entire like world. world of cars. Yep. Uh-huh. It's really cool. But unfortunately, how do they bring Freddy back? They have Jason the dog piss fire on his grave. Do I love that the dog's name is Jason? Yes, I really <laughs> fucking do. But I don't like that he pisses fire. I wrote down. Like, what is happening how did they think the dog pissing fire was going to be cool they had to build he an entire rig and everything he explains he's like i think this is very cool <laughs> i imagine that he is also a hellhound no that's what that's what robert englund says he's like hey, if you want to get really thinky about it you can imagine he's an he's a hellhound or something i'm a dog lover so it just came naturally this whole dog idea because it is an animal and another animal looking together with the bee it's lovely. It comes out beautiful when you do it that way. That's a strong pee. <laughs> he had a urine infection like hell. I think that the, the dog peeing on Freddy is, you know, again, it's mythic. It, it's like when you, if you start to examine that and you want to be intellectual, it's a hound from hell. Freddy come back while you run and piss on his ass. No, no, you just thought a dog pissing fire. <laughs> and it sucks because Kincaid crushes Freddy with a car. Yeah. And uh -huh. in Dream Warriors, that would have been enough. Yeah. But it's not here. And I'm like, 
How did he become more powerful? Powerful. Well, flaming dog pee does that to you. I guess. And then the next night, he goes after Joey. And this makes perfect sense. He's getting rid of the two guys uh-huh. that Kristen can bring into her dream to defeat him. Yeah. Right? Because if they all, I guess maybe that's what it is if they're all together, but that, I don't know. It it doesn't really want to follow in line with what Dream Warriors had set up. Uh-huh. And that's okay. They just need to take out the original cast. Because if you did, we wouldn't have another movie. Yeah. So. And so I, he dies a fun okay. waterbed death. Yeah. And I mean, isn't that what, what happened in the first one? Uh, the bed opened up as he was tied to it with tongues, and mm. there was a sexy nurse yes. that was actually Freddy. Mm-hmm. That was that was in Dream Warriors. And, and this then he one, went into a coma. Yeah. In this one, there is a sexy naked woman inside the waterbed. Yes, and he wants to get to her. And then instead, Freddy comes bursting out and pulls him down, drowning him. And then when his mom shows up in his bedroom the next morning, throws off the covers and sees his dead body inside the waterbed, how the fuck are you going to explain that? And it's never brought up. (laughs) That's what happens with most of these deaths. Kincaid just dies in his sleep. Like, that's how I expect this stuff to happen. It's like, you die in your sleep. And nobody knows why. That's what I would expect. But mm-hmm. no, we get sometimes, every once in a while, they think it'd be really cool if the body is found in some crazy way in reality. And it's like, well, that would that would lead to all sorts of questions that you just don't have answers for. I mean, at that point, wouldn't you assume it's the mom of Joey that yeah, stuck right? her child in there? <laughs> like, how else do you explain that? Yeah. But yeah, that's why I wrote down. So that's why we thought he tied this way. Because yeah. he did. Uh, he did. <laughs> so now that Joey and Kincaid are dead, Kristen is, of course, freaking the fuck out. Yes. And she starts to talk to Alice a tiny bit. And Alice mentions a rhyme, which we never hear. Did you ever hear of the Dream Master? Sounds like a game show host to me. No, it's a rhyme. Just have to dream about someplace fun. Remember, you're in control. But this rhyme apparently oh, talks about, about the dream master. a dream master. Sure. Sure. And she explains it like, didn't you hear this growing up? It's all about doing, like, making your dreams what you want them to be. You know, that's the subtitle for Little Nemo. What is? Little Nemo, the dream master, or and the dream master for the game, I want to say. Hmm. Yeah. When she asks her, why do you know so much about dreams, she explains, Well, when it's all you have, you kind of become an expert. Yeah. And we should mention that earlier, like once, there's like a daydream that she has where she's talking to the hot guy that she likes and she's able to say what she actually wants to say to him. Yeah. uh There is one daydream. Later, they'll bring up, no more daydreaming, Alice. And then she becomes this awesome dream master. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Okay. Then I wrote down Robert England. Does he make an appearance in the movie as somebody other than He's Freddy? the nurse. Robert England is the nurse talking to Alice. Feeling better now? Yeah, I guess so. What happened? You had quite a nasty bump. I gotta get out of here. No, no, no. You stay put. You need your rest. You don't get it. He's after me. It's okay, honey. (laughs) 
And then it turns out that, like, she she relives that moment again with the actual nurse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think because she fell asleep, and then the actual nurse wakes her up and says the exact same thing Robert Englund did. Yes. Which is scary. Feeling better now? What happened? You had quite a nasty bump. I forget why she ends up in the nurse's office. I forget, too. I think she just passes out at school because she's been sleep-deprived, maybe. Maybe. But so, Kristen and her boyfriend, I think, have decided that they're going to go and, like, confront this. They're going to go to Nancy's house. Meanwhile, Alice says that she's got to go to the library to study. Meanwhile, they run into the hot guy that Alice has the hots for, and he's just hanging out. And then all of a sudden, when Kristen and her boyfriend are like, we're going to go. He goes with them. Alice and the hot guy go with like, them. Like, inexplicably, all of his buddies were there in the diner. And his he just leaves with them. Alice was just saying she's going to the library, but they just go with them. It's, they had a concept of this hot, popular jock guy that they wanted to include in this gang. And they had no idea how to establish him and then why he would ever be hanging out with these people. So instead of just saying he's friends with them from the very beginning, because they've been friends since middle school or, or something like that. Or up with a bullshit reason yeah, no, why there's he goes nothing. with them. He just goes with them. Just nothing. Just like maybe he has, maybe he has the hots for Alice. Oh yeah, they kind of establish that later that he kind of likes her, but it's like. But it's just when everyone leaves, he's also with the group when they leave, and it's not explained why he's with them. It's very (laughs) weird. But so when they get to Nancy's house, Kristen explains, "I'm history." He's going to kill me in my sleep. This is going to happen. And her mom pulls up and honks the horn so loud. Yeah. Uh-huh. And she's just like, get away from that house, Kristen. And Kristen's like, whatever, mom. And then her mom screeches away. Yeah. And then Kristen's like, I better go. And she walks to where the car just was, but the car ain't there yeah, no the more. Yeah, the car's not there no more. What just happened? <laughs> I have no idea. Like, Rennie Harlan, you are... kind of a director are you but then alice sees the chalk drawing and she kind of like gets this knowing look on her face and i'm like why does she know oh because she had a dream didn't she didn't Kristen pull alice into that first dream and she saw the chalk drawing and that's why she's like oh maybe something real is happening here yeah because Kristen will eventually pull alice in and Alice will eventually get the Dream Master abilities, which then suddenly means that she can also take on the personalities of the people who die. Well, and the powers, yeah. It's a little weird. It's a little weird. Like we said, it's not as good as three. So Kristen's mom drugs her and so forces her to pass out because she's been sleep deprived this entire time. I'm the last course. Thanks, mom. Yeah, thanks, mom. And she's like, yeah, when I die, you're going to feel really great about what you're doing to me. And you she, just. She does you die. You just murdered me. Yeah, she <laughs> Can does you imagine die. how this mom is going to feel? We never see the mom again, but could you imagine? Oh, yeah. Jesus. So she tries to do what Alice tells her, to dream of someplace nice. Yeah. And she does. She dreams of a beautiful beach. Uh Uh-huh. And she's like, thanks, Alice. You've saved me. No. What's coming up in the water? Shark Freddy? Shark Freddy. I wrote wrote Jaws Freddy. There's like a few different versions of this shark fin. My hat is like a shark fin. In this case, Freddy's glove is like a shark fin, where it like transforms into Freddy's glove. And then it goes through the sand, too, with his glove sticking out and attacks her. She falls into a hole. Quicksand. Yeah. Very similar to one when she's on the stairs. Yes. 
and, and yeah, then Freddy suddenly has sunglasses, which and it's was a Rennie fun Harlan's scene. idea. Basically, every time Freddy's on screen, the movie's a lot of fun, yeah. and that's why he got top billing. Rennie Harlan specifically said he wanted to make Freddy the star. But this is this is, I think, the downfall of the franchise. It gets worse and worse because they keep trying to chase that. I understand that, but you gotta admit the this scene one, where he puts yeah. on the sunglasses uh-huh. is fun. Yeah, but. Is it worth it? Because it does ruin the franchise. I think that's the rest of the franchise's fault. He made it work. They didn't. Yeah. But I mean, that's the problem that with long running horror franchises is that the villain becomes the main character. Right. And and we've talked about that at uh length. And I agree. As soon as he said that in Never Sleep Again, I was like, oh, we've talked about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where when you make the change of turning the murderer into the star of the show well, then what's the point? Right. It's but it just works. a murder showcase, and that's all it is. And that can be fun. It works here because he makes it fun, and they describe it. Robert Englund describes it as the MTV Freddy. Yeah. And that's I, how he understood it. And it's fun yeah. uh-huh. that way. But you're right. Then that's all it became after that, and it, it, it hurt for it. Mm-hmm. But that's their fault. They couldn't make it work. Yeah. When... Freddy becomes fun and funny to the point where you're cheering him on every time he kills somebody. The stakes just get completely removed. Anyway, so she brings Alice into this dream and because she can do that. And Freddy ends up throwing her into a boiler full of burning water. And she comes out and she's all scarred up and burnt and everything. And she yells at Alice, Alice! You'll need my power! And just kind of like points at her. And this magic power comes out of her through Freddy and then hits Alice. Alice! You'll need my power! By the way, it changes color when it passes through Freddy. So what that's supposed to mean... I, is that... Is that is that, that being picking up, up the fifth, power number five, where now she has part of him, which is why her fetus is. Using yeah, I don't, it. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But now she, for whatever reason, not only can Kristen transfer her power to somebody else, but she knows she can enough to where she declares it and then does it like she's fucking Babe Ruth. And now Alice is the new Kristen. And they bring back the souls of his the souls of his children again. Yeah. And I, was, I forgot I was, that they brought it back. Yeah. Uh-huh. Remember how I said in three, I was like, why are they doing this? They're never gonna bring it back. They totally do in uh-huh. four. He still has all their faces and stuff. So that's what I'm convinced happened. I melded three and four together. Yeah. So yeah, but he's got all the faces on his stomach again. And he's very excited that she sent her power over to her. Because now he can go after all of them. He's going to use Alice to bring other people into dreams so he can kill them. Yes. So this all worked in Freddy's favor. For a while. Yeah. When she, when Alice wakes up, she finds an actual literal postcard in her cla- in her bedroom that says, Greetings from hell from Freddy. And I'm like, what? 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 Now he can send shit? Well, From the dream world? What? Since since the first one, you could bring real stuff yeah. out of the dream world, when and now he, he that knows. That was because a human did it. Yeah, but now he's learned how to harness that power, I guess. I love that he chooses to do it in such a joking way. Yeah, but anyway, uh-huh. that is what leads her to go to Kristen's house. And how do they find her? Do you remember? 
No. She's literally just burning. <laughs> they go into her bedroom and she is literally just on fire. More and questions. Like, yeah. <laughs> what? Like, at that point, the mom fucking did it. Like, yeah, right. like what other <laughs> choice do you have? The neighbor's like, I heard her say, Mom, you're gonna kill me. <laughs> what did you do? Oh, Kristen. Jesus, sleeping pill? Look, Kristen, I'm sorry. I'm just sorry. Sorry that you and your tennis pals torched this guy and now he's after me? In case you haven't been keeping score, it's his fucking banquet, and I'm the last course. Kristen, we went over this in therapy. No, Mother. You just murdered me. Take that to your goddamn therapy. Kristen! Jesus. So, now all three of them are dead. And the All next... three of the original Elm Street kids, yes. Yeah, so there's no more Elm Street children. Although, like I said, I'm pretty sure Six says no. That's yeah. not true. So Sheila shows up at school without knowing that all these deaths have happened. And she's like, look, I made this thing for my friend who's afraid of cockroaches. Again, this is the second time we're going to hear it. Uh-huh. Never hear it again until she has a cockroach death. But yeah, they find out about all the deaths. But, you know, what can you do? Oh, and I think Alice mentions like, oh, you look really tired. Were you up too because of him? And she's like, because of who? What yeah. the fuck are you talking about? No, I'm, I'm studying just, I'm, for I'm just tests. a nerd and I study, yeah. <laughs> and then she ends up falling asleep during the test, which is when she gets her super anticlimactic death. Where Freddie kisses her and then just sucks all the air out of her, deflating she her has, entire body. Because she has um, asthma. Asthma, so yeah. that's kind of what it's supposed to. I mean, I get it. but Like, like they claim that she had an asthma attack in yes. her sleep. Uh-huh. Also, when when we see the classroom and everybody's like, oh shit, that girl just fucking died. No one is upset. Except for her friends. Everybody's just like, oh, it's a dead kid just sitting next to me. No big deal. (laughs) If a kid fucking died in my classroom, I don't know. I don't want to know what my kids would do. (laughs) So Alice quickly realizes what she did. She's the one who brought Sheila into her dream because they both fell asleep. Yeah. uh And Kristen accidentally brought Sheila in. And then watched Sheila die. So when she wakes up, she's like, I'm the one who did it. I'm the one who brought Sheila. I gave Sheila to him, right? She starts to cry. Uh-huh. She runs away, right? And she's running towards a door. And you'd think, well, she's running out of the out of the high school like girls and slashers do. You know, scream, right? No. She never makes it to the door. She runs a few feet to a locker and then just stops just awkwardly in the back of the shot. So then later, when her boyfriend is like, fuck you guys, and runs after her, he only has to run a few steps (laughs) to get to her. And he runs like full blown, like, I've got to go. And then he's like, oh shit, she didn't go outside. So she has, so he has to like slide to a stop. It is a very, I don't remember that at all. I will share it on Twitter. (laughs) The direction in this film is terrible. Mm -hmm. And like, You can say he has great deaths. If you want to say that the deaths in this movie are his baby and the Freddy in this movie is his baby, that's fine. Everything else is shit. (laughs) For his direction abilities. Anyway. He was a young director. This is his first Hollywood film. So then the next shot is, I think, of Alice 
talking, I, I think Alice is at school again or something, but she says, I can't sleep, and there's this idea that time has passed? But we got no indication. It's like, just an, the next shot, she's like, I don't know, I think she's at school again, and she's like, I can't go to sleep, someone might die. And it's like this idea that all this time has passed. I'm like, when? Somewhere in here, Robert Shea plays a teacher explaining yes. all about dreams. Yes. So she's very, very tired back at school. Robert Shea, the producer of the Nightmare series. the Is that Lynn Shea's brother? Yes. Brother. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I wrote down, what a perfect time for a Dream Master discussion yeah. in school. To be clear, when I say producer, I mean this because he runs New Line Cinema. The actual producer of the film who's like on set doing the work is uh, Rachel Talele, I think is how you pronounce her name. She's throughout a lot of the series. She She's like the hands-on producer. While she's in school listening to this Dream Master discussion, we see her brother who has, it looks like, fallen asleep on the toilet? It looks like he's in a bathroom oh, where he remember. falls asleep. And I'm just like, what? I don't remember. What? But so he has a dream about a dojo. And it's funny because I just wrote down, oh, look, a dojo. But no, it's just a room that they put a bunch of, like, Asian-looking posters in. <laughs> or, like, sheets. It's it's sheets, yeah, <laughs> everywhere. Because they had no money. They were going to film him in an elevator. And then the bottom of the elevator falls out. And he falls into nothingness. Nothing to do with karate. Yeah, nothing to do with karate. And then they're like, well, we can't do that anymore. What do we do? Well, we established he's a karate master. So let's have him fight Freddy invisibly. And then he was so mad because they didn't want him to do any of the karate moves. Yeah, just do big swings. Like you're punching him. And it's like, that's not what karate is. And they're like, I don't care. You're in a fist fight with Freddy now. Yeah, and it looks really lame. It really does. It looks really lame. It looked would have looked a lot cooler if he was doing karate moves. Mm-hmm. And it would have made more sense. Yeah. Like, it was almost it was almost insulting to the audience. Like, this is what you think karate is. And I'm like, fucking no, it's not. This is bullshit. Yep. The only death scene, probably in any Nightmare on Elm Street, where Freddy is not actually there. And I worked really hard for about two and a half, three weeks just to get some basic skills down. And then I got on the set and they pretty much said, no, 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 we don't want that. You know, it was just, oh, they wanted all big roundhouse punches. That's, that's not karate at all. It's full on John Wayne bullshit. So cheaply done and so kind of cheesy. I mean, massively lame. And so he like dies in real life. Well, in, in the dream, I think. Freddy just gets him in the stomach. But in real life, there's like an explosion. Yeah. But also, I think he's on the toilet, and I'm just like, what? I don't I don't get it, Rennie. I don't get what you're doing here. And this is kind of when we start to notice, after all these deaths, that Alice is suddenly acting like the people who died. She's saying things they said. Mm-hmm. She's doing gestures they used to do. And everybody's starting to pick up on it. Like, have you noticed that every time somebody dies, she suddenly changes? Yeah, uh-huh. And then she decides to go to a movie? Why? Why does she go to a movie by herself? To stay awake all night, I guess? Because she's, I guess she's trying to stay awake, and do, but, like, going <laughs> to a movie is not a way to stay awake. No, it is not. Just passively observing something. But this is a fun shot. Oh, where she, yes, the whole entire theater rotates, 
And so you get all these people that are obviously strapped down into their seats, but then their sodas and their popcorn and stuff are all like falling toward the screen. And it looks cool. It's a great effect. And she's hanging off like the balcony or something. Then she falls into the screen and tumbles into the movie. And it's a very cool shot. Mm -hmm. And that's what I mean when I say like, this this movie has a lot of fun things going on in it. I like... I, I mean, one of the big great things about Freddy is because he's in a dreamland, they can do all these weird things. Yeah. And they have so much creativity. It's funny. That's exactly why I like Wishmaster. <laughs> oh, my God. You just compared. Oh, my God. So what I like about the Freddy franchise is the creativity. I love... The weird, different ideas. And yeah. I and I know, I know, they've done rotating rooms several times in the Freddy franchise. I get that. But they do it differently every time. Yeah. Uh-huh. It never feels like I'm just watching Johnny Depp's death over and over again. Yeah. But while she's in the movie, there's like a pizza? Okay, so she goes into the diner <laughs> where she works and she sees her in old the movie? self. In movie land? I think so. Okay. I, because right? isn't this in color? Oh, that's a good point. Because she goes into the movie and it's in black and white. I'm a little bit fuzzy on this part of the movie, I'll be honest with you. Okay. But this part is very gross and very effective. With there the pizza? is a pizza. Mm-hmm. Freddy slides up with a pizza. Oh, do you want to explain what she sees at the at the diner? Because it's kind of like... She sees herself really old, still working there at the diner. It's creepy in a very different way. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, God! Because she always has these dreams of going on to do something with her life. Yeah. And she sees that, no, you're just going to become an old lady. Yep. Working at the diner. Yep. But Freddie slides up with his pizza. Yeah, because she orders a pizza. So uh-huh. she gives her a pizza. And it's got meatballs on it. And this is so gross. All the all the people he's killed so far, their faces are the meatballs. Like their heads are the meatballs. And he sticks one of his knives into into uh, Rick's head or something. Super effective. So It's effective, very good. So effective, guys, that the Stupid. other day I was at Subway. You uh-huh. know what I wanted to order? Meatballs. I wanted to order a meatball sandwich. And do you know why I couldn't? Because you remembered this scene? Because all I could see was faces. <laughs> Listen, it's very obviously fake. Right. But it is evocative. It's gross. Yes. They look like... I don't know how they did that. I, but when he picks it up and the meatball is on his finger, you can see the head still. Uh-huh. It looks... I know it doesn't look real. Right. But it looks uncanny. Yes. Uh-huh. And gross. And then he eats it. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> I think that's when she wakes up. Debbie's death is next. And she somehow meets up with the hot guy. De- so she she decides with Alice. I'm talking about Alice. Yeah, I know. This is when Alice gets in the loop. Yeah, Alice, Dan, and Debbie. Like, Alice goes to the two of them and is like, hey, I need help. All my friends are dying. <laughs> Will you be my friend? (laughs) And they're going to go, like, do something about it. And she realizes that somehow Freddie has used her to get to Debbie. And so she needs to go to Debbie's house and she gets Dan to go with her. Uh, They leave the diner, I think, right? And then they they get into his truck and they drive. And as all this stuff we're about to describe happens to Debbie... We see the same scene again. And yeah. at first, if you don't know what's going on, you might be like, 
is this a bad upload? <laughs> like, what did Apple do? You know, because we were watching it on Apple TV. But then almost immediately they're like, wait a minute. I feel like we've done this before. No, There's it actually no takes like three times. Yeah. There's like and, no explanation for a while. And you're yeah. like, what? And personally, I love this. It's cool. Which is funny because I remember the first time I saw this, I was like, oh, what a cheap way to make it so that they couldn't get there in time. Uh-huh. But now watching it after having seen a million more horror movies since we've started this podcast. I mean, the first time I saw this was, I don't know what. 12 years ago. Yeah. Now I'm like, that is so clever and so much fun and so cool. And I think it's because I don't think at the time I was really focusing on Freddy's abilities, what he could do. Yeah. I was just thinking, oh, this is just a way for the movie to make it so they don't get there. Uh huh. But when you think about it as, as what Freddy can do, that makes sense. Yeah. And it's fun. It is fun. But so what's going to happen to Debbie? Oh, She's working God. out. She's working out. Worst death. She's Cannot working out to Sinead O'Connor. Is she? <laughs> yes. she first sees him because she now knows because Alice has told her about him and when she sees him she says I don't believe in you very much like Nancy yeah, uh -huh. in the first film but just like the devil that's too bad because I believe in you yeah don't matter that you don't believe in me I'm here so like he's spotting her as she's doing bench presses what movie was that is that happy birthday to me where that same thing happens oh yeah, it's one of those. They keep putting the weights on. They, like, drop it on his dick or something, if something. I remember correctly, as he's, like, doing bench presses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it kills him that, like, they cut off his head with by pushing down on it or something like that. So this is very similar. She gets the barbell pushed down on her, and her arms can't go back anymore, and so they snap. And at I the do, elbow. I do not. Okay. First of all, I've broken my elbow in the past. Uh huh. So that's terrifying. And also, anything that has to do with bones coming out. I yeah. mean, I don't think we actually see bones here. We see some weird black and green yeah. something, which turns out to be the cockroach <laughs> arms coming out. <laughs> she loses her arms. And grows these cockroach arms, and they're flopping around everywhere. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Does not matter. It does not matter. It is so effective. And as she's walking around freaking out, she's stepping in all this gunk, which she's sticking to, and, like, her face is getting stuck in. Oh, my God. And as God. she screams and tries to pull herself out of this sticky gunk, which we'll find out is glue... It rips her face and her upper body off, revealing the fact that she is now a cockroach. It is so cool. And her lower half of her body is still human, but she's stuck in a roach motel, which is basically just a place that, that roaches go into. They check in, but they don't check out. Is The idea is, is that they go into this box and it has all this glue in it. And so they get stuck. And so they can't check out. And then... Freddie picks it up and he looks in and his eye is there as she's struggling there as a cockroach. And then he just says they check in and they don't check out or whatever it is. And then he crushes it in a really, I would describe as sarcastic amount of goop just comes squirting out. I don't care. <laughs> this scene, I it can't watch so it. It is so good. I cannot watch it. It is so good. The way she just falls apart into a cockroach. And, and she's screaming in that gunk. It's so good. 
terrifying. And yes, very terrifying, especially if you don't like cockroaches like Kelsey does not. Like, I couldn't have done that scene. You know, I always talk about how, like, as an actress, I would be willing to do so much shit. Yeah. So much shit for movies. I couldn't do that. Yeah. If you told me you're going to have to turn into a cockroach, I'd say no. Yep. Even if they told me this is your one time to be in a fucking movie for the rest of your fucking life, I'd be like, no. (laughs) So it's hard for Kelsey to watch this scene. Yes. So they don't get to her in time. No, they crash. Yeah. Um, Which sends the guy to the hospital. But he survives. Yeah, but he gets, like, knocked out when he gets to the hospital. Oh, right, they're going to put him on drugs. Yeah, and, and he's like, no, like, no, you can't. No, yeah, don't uh-huh. do it. But they do it anyway. Uh-huh. So in order so, to save him, so we get a montage world. of her oh, getting ready. My God, this sort of like Rambo slash Commando. Yeah. Like, by the way, it is Rambo, not the Nancy montage from no, the first movie. But you know, Rambo: First Blood Part Two came out <laughs> came out in '85, and so did Commando. So like just three years before this, and they have these like gearing up montages, and it's one of those. And then she does the nunchucks. Oh, now we could not clarify if that was actually her when we were watching. Okay, so we were watching the movie and it's that rear shot is totally a dude in a wig, right? That's what that's what we thought. And then we watch Never Sleep Again and she talks about it, about how she had to get, you know, like she actually went to classes. Yes. Not as many as the guy did, but she did go to classes. Yeah, she did to, to try to try to do nunchucks really well. And then she says how all anyone could talk about is how the rear shots look like a dude. They did send me off to a day of karate school, but I was terrified I was going to hit myself in the head with nunchucks. And I've heard this comment so many. It's like, the wig was so bad. It doesn't even look like Alice from the back. And then that's where the story ends. They don't clarify if it is in fact a dude or if she was so happy about the way she looked when she was facing the camera that she's upset all anyone talks about is her stunt double for when she's not. I think that's what it is, but they do not clarify. They don't clarify (laughs) it. Because she could be saying that she's mad that people think that it's not her, and it is her. Uh Or she could be saying just what you just said. She's mad that people only focus on the guy in the wig, but really she did the front stuff. No way to know. They do not make that clear. Yeah. So she goes into the dreams. She confronts Freddy to save Dan her dreamy hunk boyfriend now. And it's kind of anticlimactic. She just realizes, kind of similar to Nancy, who is like, I don't believe in you, right? And she wins that way, sort of. Well, she does say, get away from him, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Totally taken from From aliens. aliens. Yeah. But she recites the Dream Master poem, and she says the final line, which is, the evil will see itself and it shall die. And she, like, turns a mirror on him. And then he's like, ah. Like, so he being can't forced, see himself in yeah, a mirror? Yeah, being forced to reconcile himself? I don't I, like, know. I, I don't know what, like, so Rennie Harlan's explanation is that, like, thinking about all of the horror movies and monster movies, the way you defeat the monster is from the outside. Always they get blown up or they get chopped up or they get decapitated or they get da-da-da-da-da, shot up. It's always an outside force acting on the monster in order to defeat it. What if 
what killed the monster came from inside of them. So maybe it's that he's seeing the the souls of all the people that he's killed. If, and there's no explanation as to why the mirror does that, why it works that way. But yes, what is cool about this? So that part's lame and I don't like it. <laughs> what is cool about this is that, yes, the souls he's been keeping inside of him this whole time start rebelling. And they start coming out of him. And all these animatronic and puppet hands start popping out and like grabbing him and his head sticks to the wall behind him. And it is fascinating and cool. And I love it. It is a cool way to kill Freddy. And that's why I kind of shout against you when you say, well, they're making Freddy the one that everybody's rooting for, which is not true. At the end, you're stoked when they're all coming out of him and ripping him apart. Yeah. So this movie is, but it is a turning point. But what I'm saying is that he did it right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the others didn't. And that's yeah. their that's their fault. Yeah. But yeah, they all rip him out and uh it's a fun scene. And you're dead, Kruger. Yep, that's the I mean, that's kind of the end of the movie. But he does say I am eternal, so that's why we get number six. I mean five. <laughs> yeah, so I mean what we see at the end of the movie is that Dan and Alice are on a date now. They are dating. They make a wish in a fountain, and when the coin hits the water and it causes ripples, she sees Freddy's reflection. And then, what did you wish for? I can't tell you that or else it won't come true. And then that's the end of the movie. She's about, the they're about movie. to go have sex and she's going to get pregnant. Yeah. That's the <laughs> instigating scene for the, fir- for, the, for the next film. We think, if we remember correctly, but it's been a very long time since we've seen it. Uh, and then we get the credits. We get more of the Sinead O'Connor song, I think, if I remember correctly. enemy yeah god <laughs> jesus not that Sinead o'connor this is a very like romantic kiss me touch me Sinead o'connor but then the fat boys are you ready for freddy starts playing which if you've seen the music video is remarkable <laughs> freddy gets to rap this is when we're getting into well, the he raps in the one that will smith did too I mean, that's not actually him, but... Yes, in Nightmare on Freddy. My Street. Yes, but that's this is the era when Freddy is very marketable. That's one thing that they go... There's an entire section of Never Sleep Again where they talk about all the products, all the Freddy products that existed, and all, you know, the phone line, and then the rap here with the Fat Boys, and then the TV show comes after this, and then, like, it's... This is when Freddy is becoming a phenomenon. And I don't mind it. I don't mind him being fun. I get that it kind of detracts from him being a scare factor. Mm -hmm. My brother had that Halloween costume when we were kids. But, I mean, yeah. But they could have made him scarier in the rest of the franchise, and they chose not to. They chose to go with the popular one. Except for Seven. Unfortunately, Seven just has a really bad mask. So it's kind of hard to be afraid of somebody in that mask. Right, but... I got to say, these next two that are coming up, I'm still really excited for them because they are terrible. And it's a little fun how terrible they are. Like, you can still enjoy them. I'm not looking forward to six. I'm really not. Which is hilarious because six was the first one I ever saw. And six terrified me when I was a kid. I mean, it came out, what, 92, 91? 91, yeah. 
So when it came out on cam on TV, I was probably like five when it came out on television. Uh-huh. So I saw this when I was like five, and it scared the shit out of me. But of course, now I know that it's terrible. Yeah. But, I mean, we're getting into the comic book death, the power glove death, the turning into a motorcycle death. But this is where the franchise gets identified by the death moments. And that's how you mark the moments in the movies. And that's how you know it's not about the story anymore. It's just about the spectacle at this point. And they start valuing that over absolutely everything else. And then it gets really silly and jokey. And it's just, it's not nearly as good. These next two movies are not good. But, I mean, there's still spectacles to watch. Well, we'll see. I'm excited to see them. Well, we'll see. Yeah, we will see. We will. We will, damn it. So, Kelsey, anything else to say about... Dream Master. Just an interesting little side note. When you watch Never Sleep Again, you see a shot of Robert England when he is doing the underwater scene in the bed. Oh, it's not him. It's a stuntman. So you're saying that that's not the actor? No, that's the stuntman. Okay, well, the stuntman is in a very bad mood. Yeah. He is very irritated. Because it's taking them a bunch of takes and he has to be underwater where his only freedom is plastic. Yes. Like, it's probably not very comfortable for him at all, and they're doing take after take of this. Totally. It's just that it's stuff like that that I wish, like, my my kids, who genuinely like drama, because I'm not, I don't, the kids who don't like drama, like, I get it. Yeah. But, like, the kids who genuinely like drama and get very annoyed with how many times we have to do a scene, I'm just like... That's, yeah. That's what <laughs> acting is. You need to make it perfect, I mean, it's even harder on people who don't have a camera. Well, you have the option to make it perfect. Why? Why wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. This is you're going to be putting this down, and it's going to be recorded for posterity. Like, yeah, make it as good as you possibly can. And if you have the money and the time, why not? But yeah, dude's not happy. That I think it's because you know they're not getting the shot because something's messing up and people aren't doing their jobs right, and so he's pissed off at other people. And I can understand that when you're in a, when you're in a situation, I wouldn't like being stuck underwater for a long period of time for a shot either. Yeah, uh-huh. I understand that. All right, Kelsey, what do you think the movie has on Rotten Tomatoes? Sixty nine, dudes. Sixty nine, dudes. Fifty two. A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, marks a relative high point in the franchise's bumpy creative journey, although the original remains far superior. Well, that's true, but, like, you can't, you know, slight the entire rest of the franchise because they're not as good as the first one. Metacritic of 56. Now, the original had a 94. You gave it a 90. I gave it a 95. Part 2 had a 41. We both gave it a 70. Part three had a 74, you gave it an 88, I gave it an 87. So with that in mind, what would you give this one? First of all, 52, underrated. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to give it a 72. Okay. It's just, it's better than two for sure. But two, I think I gave points to for very different reasons. Yes. It was a very different movie and really doesn't belong in the Freddy franchise. Right. So I will give it a 72. Because it's certainly not the best, obviously. And even the best, I only gave, what, a 90, you said? 90 is the highest score you gave to any of them, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, yeah, no, you know what? I'll give it a, a 72 as well. I think that's a perfect score for this one. 
it's still good. Yeah, it's definitely got a lot of fun. It's got a lot of cool scenes. Fun, I think, is a great word for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that is 1988's Nightmare on Elm Street for The Dream Master. Moving on to another horror movie about dreams. Sort of a horror movie, horror fantasy, horror suburban fantasy. There are fantasy. people that argue online that this is not a horror movie. It's absolutely movie. a horror it's movie. It's absolutely it a abso- horror movie. Even the director, Mike Flanagan, who we'll get into, <laughs> claims that it's like a, it's it's a modern fantasy. It's a fable or whatever, because he's fucking trying to be Guillermo del Toro or something like that. But no, it's a horror movie. So are those Guillermo del Toro movies. It's a horror movie. There is a monster that chases you. It's a horror movie. <laughs> So, Before I Wake, written and directed by Mike Flanagan, also written by Jeff Howard, starring Kate Bosworth, Thomas Jane, and Jacob Tremblay. It is a Netflix original film because they bought the rights after seeing it at some film festival, so you can only watch it there. What is Before I Wake about? A little boy, his dreams come to life. And that can be great, and it can also be terrifying. It wants to be like the Babadook. It's not as good as the Babadook. It's not as good as the Babadook. No. But it wants to be. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of thing that it's going for. Mm -hmm. They're trying to make a metaphor or an allegory for dealing with trauma, but it's like, no. (laughs) Yeah. The ending is very lame. The Babadook is way better than this. Way better. on the list of Mike Flanagan things, it wouldn't rank very high. Right, because he's done so many good things. That's the point, though. It doesn't mean that this movie is terrible. Right. Should people watch it? I would say no, because the ending is so weak. I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? Yes. <laughs> okay. It is. It's very um, weak. There's a there's a twist in the villain that doesn't work thematically. <laughs> there is a big twist in the movie, the he was dead the whole time kind of twist, that is... Terribly obvious, and even if you didn't notice it, when it is revealed to you, it's the sort of reveal that's like, really? (laughs) Like, you know, so it's okay. It's not essential. You don't need to. And Mike Flanagan knows how to make an attractive movie, and it is. Watch Hush. But yes, watch Hush. Watch the TV show, The Haunting of Hill House. Yes. Those are Phenomenal. And, okay, funny. Funny now that I think about it. What was the worst part of The Haunting of Hill House? What do you mean by worst? I mean, when you think about that series, you only think about good things except for one bad thing. Can you think of what that one bad thing is? The weak ending. Oh. It's very, oh, yeah, that's I mean, I guess I was, was fine with the ending. Meeting too. So maybe that's his problem. Maybe he doesn't know how to make strong endings. How did Hush end? Doesn't she kill him? She kills him, yeah. So that felt good, but that always yeah. feels good. So. <laughs> but yeah, there are better Mike Flanagan pieces that you could watch instead. This is so far, I think, the least of everything I've seen him do. Which, again, isn't saying much because he does some really great things. So... I'll give it a pass, I guess. But it's inessential. You don't have to watch it, right? Yes. You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2016's Before I Wake. You ready? I think so. Cody, this is Mr. and Mrs. Hobson. Hi there. Good morning. 
Let's welcome Cody. Why do you have these pills, Cody? I don't like to sleep. My dreams. What happens when you dream? Your son doesn't want to sleep. That little boy's dreams come true. It's an amazing, beautiful thing. But it's nightmares. It's here. Dangerous. Deadly. I have to ask his son a few questions. No, no. Cody! We can't let him sleep. Wake up! We promised to take care of that child. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Before I Wake begin? We meet Cody, who is living in a foster home, and his foster father comes in with a gun in the middle of the night. Benvolio from Romeo plus Juliet, by the way. That's right. I was like, (laughs) I know that guy. Dash Mihawk, apparently he is a big character in Ray Donovan as well. Mm. I guess he's he's a Donovan. Mm. Never seen the show. Sorry, folks. Nope. (laughs) He says, I'm sorry, Cody, and tries to shoot him, but something turns him the other way and he shoots out the door. He can't bring himself to actually shoot a kid, I think, is the actual problem here. Oh, no, I think the monster turns him the other way. Well, he says later on that I couldn't bring myself to do it, so that was the biggest mistake I ever made or whatever. Maybe. Then the maid from The Haunting of Hill House... Annabeth Gish. She plays probably the most effective social worker you'll ever meet. Right. Uh huh. She gets shit done uh-huh. and fast. Yep. And with, with zero very... regard for any sort of due process. And very little uh, evidence and proof. Right. Like, uh-huh. It's just like, okay. Very self righteous, too. Yeah. But she is explaining to potential foster parents. That this boy is very special. His mother died tragically when he was three years old. The first couple were not fit. And then the second family abandoned him. Yeah. They found him living alone in an apartment for a month or something. Mm-hmm. And we find out that this family with Kate Bosworth and... Thomas Jane with... Yeah. What the fuck is happening with your hair what is happening with your hair? what is happening i don't know it was not a good choice (laughs) no but we find out that they had a child who died and like recently and i'm like i don't think that you should be having kids this quickly (laughs) especially since she like explains at a group therapy session that only at group therapy does she feel awake. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't be taking care of a child. And they immediately start talking about dreams as if, like, the psychiatrist who's leading the group therapy sessions is also, like, a dream specialist, which, okay, I can buy. You know, psychiatrist knowing a lot about dreams, sure. Maybe he's very Freudian. I don't know. But, like... It also happens to be the conversation that happens immediately before she picks up a dream master child. <laughs> he is a dream master. Uh-huh. True. And how do you think it's weird that they left a picture up of their son? I do. I thought that was very strange. I mean, the whole a lot of the point of the movie is people grieve in their own way, and you can't force somebody to grieve the same way that you're grieving. 
right? Like that's a lot of what the movie is about. And so, you know, I can't fault her for the way that she wants to remember her child, but I'm probably more on Thomas Jane's side where I'm like, it's a little weird. It's very odd. Especially since you're bringing in a new kid. Exactly. How is that new kid going to feel? Exactly. Like, it was fine that they had the pictures up, but now it's like you're bringing a new kid into this family, and now you have a picture of the happy family with the kid who's dead now, (laughs) and that he's not a part of. Like, it's a little weird when you're bringing a kid into your house. Very strange. Oh, and we get a commercial for the Xbox Connect. Oh, do do we? Yes. Like, this is an Xbox household. Oh, right. Maybe we could get you a Wii, but have you heard of this thing called the Connect? <laughs> Your whole body's the controller. And then later they're playing on an Xbox. Yeah, well, I was showing you my, my, my Xbox. Or, well, we could get a Wii, I guess. I'm not sure which one you play. Do you play it, though, right? I think Mark's pretty excited to have someone to play with. <laughs> you ever played this Connect sports thing? It's uh, got a sensor on it, so there's no controller. Whatever you do, the little dude does. You can swing. You can throw, you can kick, and uh, little little guy does a. I'll show you. Pretty, it's pretty neat. Anyway, so Jacob Tremblay is this little boy. Yes, and he plays the child like a three-year-old. Well, he is stunted. Yes, he is traumatized. That's true. I wonder what's going to happen to the charm of Jacob Tremblay when he gets older. He's like, what, like 15 now or something like that? I think he played Justin Bieber in a movie. Did he? I think so. Young Justin Bieber? Yeah, like like a biography movie. Yeah. Like, can I see him as like a person who hasn't had a troubled childhood? Because that's all he's cast in, you know what I mean? Well, he has that sad face. Yeah, he does. (laughs) I guess he was in that little kids saying cuss words movie. Oh, yeah. We didn't watch it. We didn't watch it, so I don't know if it's any good. (laughs) Interesting, but maybe it's good. Maybe it's good. I don't know. You know, know. sometimes those movies surprise you. Yes. It's, It's not all the time, but occasionally it's like, whoa, I was not expecting that to be funny. Yep. Before he ever shows up, we see them preparing for him to get there, and Thomas Jane is inserting these bars in the bathtub. Yeah. And we get this very intense memory of a child dying. Oh, yeah. No, it's tough. But then later, the indication is that Kate Bosworth wasn't even there, so is this all in her imagination? Yeah, I think she's imagining what was happening when he drowned in the bathtub. Yeah, because the indication is that it was Thomas Jane's quote-unquote fault that he probably left the kid for a minute because, like, probably somebody was at the door, the phone rang or something. Yeah, uh uh-huh. And the kid drowned. But yeah, it's an intense dream. I mean, memory. Yeah. But not a memory. An imagined memory. Yeah, uh uh-huh. I think the death of a child can really fuck up a couple. I think if not only... Like, blame aside, if not only because people grieve in different ways. Like, I know, I guarantee you, like, you and I grieve differently. And so I have no idea what that would do to a marriage. Like, it's, maybe you lash out sometimes and you regret it. She does, but man, she goes below the belt. (laughs) We find out when he shows up at the house that he collects butterflies. Yep. We'll find out later that is because of his mother. Yeah. His mother loved butterflies. 
Although he doesn't remember his mother, right? So it's just kind of an instilled thing. Yeah. But so he does not let himself sleep. How does he keep, keep himself awake? Well, he has like three soda cans and a lunchbox or whatever. Or like energy drinks. Yeah, but is that like his his entire stash? How does she he get more? That, she says that he has stimulants. Yeah. So maybe there's like a bottle of pills maybe, or something. I don't know. But he doesn't go to sleep because he tells Kate Bosworth Jesse because of the Kinker Man. Who's that? He comes from my sleep. He eats people. Well, that's no good. He ate my mom. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and Kanker, I'm like, okay, Kanker. I get it. I mean, he is kind of a weird, sort of scabby looking dude. Sure, it sounds cool. If you haven't already guessed what that's about, you will. And well, even, like I said before, even if you don't, it's a hit over your head. The right. moment. Once you figure it out, it is. And it all just seems ridiculous. But before you figure it out, you just assume that it is a literal monster. Yeah. That just plagues this kid. Like, maybe it's a demon or something. That's what you're thinking. Yeah. That's what you're imagining. We'll find out that this kid just has dream powers and he was traumatized as a kid. And those two things combined. But the canker man has nothing to do with his dream powers at all. Mm -hmm. It's not some weird dream demon or anything like that. Much in the same way that, like, you know, the crooked man is yeah. not at all related. And yet is getting its own movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So, okay. So do we just want to tell them? Yeah. Okay. So canker is cancer. You have a couple opportunities to learn this. Right away, you know, his mom died when he was really young. Which, if you were going to think that a C was a hard C, wouldn't you think canker? Canker? Yeah, but canker's a word. It's like a canker sore. I know, but you know? do you think, so, so the kid just heard canker at yeah, some point? Yeah, or whatever. Okay. Yeah, maybe, maybe they would say canker, but that's... Like, I feel like they specifically made it canker so that So it doesn't would... sound as much like cancer? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, absolutely they did. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you find out early on that his mom died when he was really young and it was really sad and that she was eaten by Canker Man. And Which doesn't seem odd to you because you are introduced to the Canker Man as like this monster this dream that, demon that thing. literally yeah. can eat people. Yes. And not like with its mouth, but like absorbs them. Like in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they just kind where of she just kind of hugs you and then pulls you into yeah. Uh -huh. I think we've seen other movies where you get where people just get absorbed. Yeah, as totally, well. totally. So, but those are your early indications, and then later on you'll find out that she was in a hospital for a long time, and then we'll see her personal effects in one of the files is labeled oncology, and by this point you should really start to figure this out, and then he actually says. You know, she asks him, what do you think that word is when she shows him the paperwork? And he says, canker. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay. And then you see that the word is actually cancer. Got it. And we see the whole story that she starts to deteriorate. And he is a very, very young child and doesn't understand this. And this threat he gets from the canker man throughout, who's always with him, he says, I will always be with you. <sighs> Oh. 
and like you can't get rid of me. It's you know, really, I'm gonna eat the people that you love. Yeah, it's really kind of fucked it's up. It's fucked up. When you find out that it's the mother it's saying a, I am always with you. Yes, because she loves him. him. Yes. It's really fucked. It is very, very, like, evocative. And just the idea that cancer eats the people you love and, like, all of that. And to be a tiny child and scared of this is, like, a boogeyman who's coming to take the people that you love and says, I will always be with you. Like, that is really fucked up. I will give it that. But it is real, real on the nose and real, real ham-fisted. And also... Who has the exact same dream every single night? Well, maybe if you have some sort of obsession over this, if it's really traumatized you. I'm more concerned with the fact that we're going to kind of jump to the end here a little bit. We'll we'll fill in the gaps, but Kate Bosworth needs to confront the canker man, who we find out is actually his mom. But when she, like, comforts the canker man because the canker man is upset and needs to be comforted, it turns into Jacob Tremblay. Well, because what the guy at the group therapy session says is, at the end of the day, dreams are actually you. It's what you're. It's it's what you're. I understand, with. but it really muddies the it really muddies the metaphor. Whether is Canker Man the representation of Jacob Tremblay's fears, and so when soothed becomes Jacob Tremblay, or is it the boogeyman that little Jacob Tremblay saw when he was young and thought consumed his mom and so therefore would be his mom it's underneath a, it all? It's a m- amalgamation. Right, but that confuses the the metaphor and what things are supposed to mean. Well, then you could argue the same thing about Babadook. How so? The Babadook is never anybody but grief. But it's part of her. Yeah. Just like this, the canker man is part of him. Right. No, my problem is that it turns into literally him. The Babadook doesn't turn into That's, literally anybody. It's, it's the always angry her grief. part of him. It's the scared part of him. Right. I understand. But the Babadook is never somebody else, and then we find out it's her. It's always her, and it always has been her. In this story, it starts out as his mom and becomes him. And where that line is drawn is very vague. I'm just saying for the metaphor, it doesn't make it as strong as maybe they think it does. Okay. I, I, I understand how they got there. Okay. But anyway, it's fucked up when he says, he comes in my sleep, he eats people, he eats my mom. Mm-hmm. But okay, so... We told you all about his story. So let's Very go back so story. we can deal with Kate Bosworth's story. Oh, my God. This is a fucked up story. It really is. And she's our hero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she goes into his shit and finds the stimulants and stuff and sits down and talks with him. And that's how she finds out the canker man and all of that. And she convinces him to go to sleep. And then he has his first dream. The butterfly dream. And here's the thing. I was really excited about that. I was like, ooh, we're going to get some creative fun dreams. Yes. We're going to get some pretty beautiful visuals. Oh, perfect opportunity for something really imaginative. But we just keep getting butterflies. Just blowing butterflies nonstop for the whole movie. They're real pretty the first time you see them. Uh Uh-huh. They're also pretty when they turn into Christmas lights. I like that Yes, that that was cool too, yeah. But that's it. Uh Everything else, yep, those are the same butterflies I already saw. If you want to be Guillermo del Toro, you got to be more creative than that. Mm Mm-hmm. 
way more creative. Yeah, I was a little disappointed Very. with what they did with the dream stuff. Mm-hmm. That was an opportunity to do all kinds of things. And if you want to incorporate butterflies into all of them, go ahead. Yeah. But do something else. Yeah. But anyway, these beautiful butterflies come around until an ugly moth comes and bites her. It bites her? Yes. Did you know moths could bite? I hope they can. <laughs> and then we see the canker man. Did that evoke okay. any memories for you of any villains that we've seen? Not on this show in particular. Oh, I thought maybe you were talking about the actual Guillermo del Toro butterflies versus moths comparison in Crimson Peak, where uh, the butterflies versus moths motif is throughout. Although Crimson Peak <laughs> was one year prior to this. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's not a very complicated idea but of the-, the difference between a butterfly and a moth. They're inherently really similar, but one is sinister and one is beautiful. Right. Yeah. But the image of the canker man did not make you think of anything? I'm sure. It's, I'll let you say the, the, what you think it is, and then I'll talk about my thoughts on it. The first time I saw it on screen, I immediately thought of the teeth monster from A little bit from show. Channel Zero, the first yeah, season Channel of Channel Zero. Zero. Yeah, mm-hmm. a little bit. It's sort of this f- almost featureless being that's a little cartoon. Toony. He kind of turns into a mummy at one point. Yeah, but it's a it's cool in concept. It's sort of because it is supposed to be, you know, his, his mom, his dead withering. Person. Yeah, it's like this sort of. I guess withering is a great term for it, but like sunken eyes that go into nothingness, which is a really it's a very simple effect, and it it's used to good effect. I would say in this movie, it's not that complicated, and we've seen it used horribly in other movies, like in. Grave Encounters, you know, where they blacken the eyes. Oh, yeah. This feels like it's actually sunken in, like they're yes. going into nothingness. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's a little bit better than that, and I like it. And I like the general concept, but Cankerman, the way he moves and his proportions are really kind of cartoony. Kind of reminded me of Crooked Man. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. But he's short. Right. Yeah. That's why... When I first saw him, I thought he was a cool effect. Like I said, made me immediately think of Channel Zero. And anything that makes me think of Channel Zero is A-OK in my book. Uh-huh. If you're not watching that show, you should be. Did it get canceled? I don't know. I don't know. We, I'd, have, we, have we been watching? We've watched the first three or four seasons. Okay, so we didn't watch the last season because we never <laughs> got around to it. Because we don't have any time. <laughs> but we want to. Yes. Anyway, then she thinks that... Jacob Tremblay is looking at her, Cody. So funny, because every time I say Cody, I think of the redheaded girl from Bless the Child. Oh, right, yeah. Which no one is listening to that episode. (laughs) She was a redhead? Wasn't she? Wasn't she a little blonde? No, No, maybe I'm just thinking of Kim Basinger as blonde. I don't know. Don't remember. It's a bad movie. It's a real bad movie. Bird. (laughs) Mim. Cody brought the bird back to Cody life. Cody brought the bird back. <laughs> <laughs> but because she sees like a shadowy figure. But here's the thing, guys. They still have a picture of their son up. Yep. So what she's actually seeing is her dead son because it's on Cody's mind. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. But she interprets that in the morning because she goes and checks on the kid and she sees that Cody is still asleep. So she's like, okay, well, it can't be him. And so she thinks, oh, it's my son. And she thinks it's a ghost because apparently when he first died, she was certain he was still with her. Yeah. So she thinks that perhaps it's her son 
as a ghost. Yeah. And she says this at her group therapy session where her group therapist says, you don't understand. You were having a lucid dream. They can feel real. You can be awake. Your subconscious will find a way to deal with these emotions. Yeah. And the fact that if you're not sleeping, it'll find a way to dream. <laughs> they, they're called waking dreams, which yeah. we are very familiar with. Uh-huh. With, so, with all these dream movies yes. that we have seen. Oh, yeah. Especially, remember the remake of the original Nightmare? Having waking dreams. What were they oh, called? Micro dreams or micro, micro naps or micro something. Micro naps where yeah. if you got stuck in one, you couldn't get out. Yeah. You were in a coma. You would just fall asleep for a millisecond or whatever, and that's enough for Freddy to get you. <laughs> if you die in the dream, you die for real. <laughs> so she discovers that this is Cody that's doing this. But, but this is where the, the group therapist explains... What emotions are you dealing with? Uh-huh. Which is why it's him dealing with it at the end. Uh-huh. When she comforts No, I him. get it. I, I understand that it makes sense. It's just more steps for your metaphor. That's my problem. It is not a good metaphor. <laughs> but I see what they are saying. Yes. This is when she figures it out that this is Cody that's bringing these butterflies to life. That is materializing her dead son. And so she starts to be like, hey, Cody, it's bedtime. Super fucked up. He's like, I do not want to sleep. The canker man will get me and will get you guys. And she's like, I don't care about your health and your well-being. I want to see my son and I'm going to exploit you to do it. But and do she you know talked what, herself you... into being like, he needs to sleep. So this is really for him. But do you remember why she does this? Do you remember what happens first? She gets him to go to sleep, uh-huh. and the butterflies come back, uh-huh. and they're like, oh, it's beautiful again. And this time, they see their son. Do you remember this? And it is super creepy because he can't move. Oh, yeah. He's just there because he all he knows speak. him from is a, is a picture. So she shows him a video <laughs> of a Christmas so morning. So see him alive and talking. And so that's what they get the next night. And that's where we get the butterflies is the Christmas tree lights, which is, again, really cool. And about the coolest thing they do in all the dream stuff. And it's a little bit fucked. It's very fucked. She is definitely exploiting him. Thomas Jane is like, after they stay up for a while and it's not happening, he's like, you know what? I really feel uncomfortable about all this. I'm going to go to bed. And she's like, then you're going to miss our son. And she's like, taking that as another reason to be angry at him. Like, you don't love or miss our son as much as I do. And I've I've won the grief Olympics. <laughs> it's fucked. Yes. She's fucked to everyone. <laughs> And she's our hero. Yes. And this is when she says the line, I'm not letting you take him away again. Yeah. Yeah, it's really And he's really... like, uh, excuse me? Super unfair. And yeah, and she claims that it's because he needs sleep. Yes. And he calls her on her bullshit. And she's like, well, maybe he can help us heal. And it's like, he is a child. He doesn't need to help you fucking heal. Yeah. You already are replacing your child. Yeah. He can heal you that way. You need to heal your heal thyself. Physician. Yes. It's messed up. Meanwhile, at school, we have not spoken about the bully at school. Ugh, the bully who's a bully for no good goddamn reason. He's just again. a crazy asshole. But hey, you know what? They exist. Yeah, totally. They probably have horrible things going on at home, but nobody knows about it. But like, I mean, he's we saw just... these kids in cooties. It's the same yeah. kids in cooties. But he picked on somebody. 
He just saw our main character and is like, you look sad. I'm going to pick on you. Like, that seems to be his only motivation. Well, I think we do see that, like, he and his mom shout profanities at each other. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we saw a little bit. We also he has hear, a fucked up childhood. Right. And the and the teacher knows automatically that he's the one who ran away. And they go and they find him. But the point is, he decides to bully on Cody. And nobody seems to do anything about yeah. it. And... Cody, There's like, a girlfriend that Cody has that yes. sticks up for him, which is kind of cute. It is cute. She's very sweet and really likes him. He starts to fall asleep in class, and the teacher is not having it, but she ends up allowing him to sleep in during recess. Yeah. But she doesn't notice the bully standing right outside the classroom glaring at yeah, Cody. Yeah, like waiting for her to leave. And she has to go yeah. take a phone call or Flanagan, something like that. what was this direction here? What uh-huh. was this scene about? Just another excuse for fodder for the canker man. Yeah. Because he falls asleep and the canker man eats the bully. And things start to get really weird. Doesn't because- the girlfriend see it? Yes, she does, and she freaks out. But and we she's don't talking get to, to see the cops. What happens yeah, she's talking audience. to the cops, and and Cody's like, "We got to get out of here. We got to go." At the end of the day, uh, some kid ran away, but he does it all the time. Uh, let's go, Cody. What's going on? Let's go home. What happened? A kid ran away. What? He's done it before. He's a mean kid. Can we go home, please? And so he really, really doesn't want to talk to the cops. But we know that she's telling the cops there was this thing. <laughs> That ate this boy and and Cody was in the room at the time. <laughs> and so he's a person of interest. But at this point, I'm like, oh, is he being haunted by his mom? And his mom is like, is this a mama thing where she's yes. harming people? You're starting to think that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Maybe this is mama, something of that nature. Or maybe it is just a Freddy situation that's using a Dream Master's ability. Yeah, yeah, maybe. (laughs) Maybe, who knows. But that evening, he drinks a bunch of nasty old coffee to keep himself awake, and he has a waking dream. And this was a very cool, fucked up scene where Kate Bosworth wakes up to her child, her dead child, Uh With his eyes huge, shout, whispering, this can't be happening, I'm awake. This can't yes. be happening, I'm awake. Because he's being attacked by the monster under the bed. It's a moment that is straight riffing on Poltergeist. Well, but also on the his- clown looking under the bed, and then it's not there, and then looking up, and it's on top of the bed. Except oh, in this yes. one, Jacob Tremblay's on the ground, yes. and th- it kind of plays out similarly. But I was going to say the scene with the little kid with his big eyes saying, this can't be happening. I'm awake. This can't be happening. I'm awake. And the mother just waking up to this. But that's why that's happening is because in his room, Jacob Tremblay is being attacked by the canker man. Yes. But that shot is very similar to The Haunting of Hill House. With the oh the burnt the bent neck lady bent neck lady yeah uh huh so Flanagan well it's better let's in, keep it fresh Flanagan it's better in Hill House it is it is better in Hill House you are correct but let's keep it fresh there Flanagan yep but that was a good shot unfortunately it was the same director but that's okay it's still really fa- really effective and creepy as shit for the mom yeah. even though she deserves it yes. 
So the next day, Thomas Jane plays a role. Yeah, he gets to do something. <laughs> and he takes the kid on a good day where they get to go shopping and stuff. And they buy him a race car bed that the kid will hate in two years. Uh-huh. And they paint his room. And then he sleeps in the pe- freshly painted room. And I'm just yeah. like, that doesn't oh, you going to open a window? <laughs> that does not seem safe. Oh, and we find out, of course, Kate Bosworth is a nurse, so of course she has access to sleeping pills that she's going to use to drug her her child. So she can get more of her dead child. Which is super, super fucked up. But from the point of view of a social worker, that would be believable. She'd be like, the kid never sleeps. Yeah. He was given them by a doctor. She says this is his medication he was prescribed. (laughs) And so, okay. So the little boy is dis- has disappeared, the bully, and the police are investigating and they're looking at Jacob Tremblay and they talk to Thomas Jane. And then in another dream, Thomas Jane gets attacked by the canker man and he disappears. And they're like, oh, we know what that means. That means Thomas Jane really kidnapped this boy and is now evading capture or something like that. And they show up because this all happened. Thomas Jane got taken by the canker man because Kate Bosworth drugged the kid. And so when she she gets knocked out or something like that, and when she gets up, the police are asking her, why did you drug your kid? And she's like, he was prescribed that by a doctor and they just do not care. They take the kid away. And so and the social worker is like, no, you have lost. How dare you? You have lost all rights to this child. And it's like, again, the most. The most efficient social worker you yes. could imagine. <laughs> like, did you even investigate whether or not this medication was actually prescribed? I doubt she would be telling the police this if she didn't get a real prescription for it. And yes. No, we he, saw that she got it because she's a nurse and got it at work. And he has a sleeping problem. Yes. So if you don't believe any of this weird shit about the canker man monster or anything like that still you have this kid who has insomnia and he's prescribed medication and then given that medication and then you take the kid away because he's given that medication and then adding insult to injury when he's at the home for these kids he won't go to sleep and so they're like drug him yep Against his will. Are you fucking kidding? That's the reason you took this kid away from this lady. Well, also, Kate Bosworth even mentions uh, his dreams, which makes Gish stop. And she's like, you've heard about this from other people, haven't you? Every other family said the same thing. And Gish is just like, I'm not going to talk about that. Mm -hmm." So Kate Bosworth decides. It's a shared delusion. (laughs) She decides that she needs to confront the canker man. And... She's going to go to... Well, first, she goes and talks to the dad. Oh, yes. In the, Benvolio. He's in the... The loony bin, apparently. For some reason? Yeah, well, because he tried to kill his kid. Oh. He fired a gun in the presence of his child. Oh. And then he kept telling people about... The canker, the canker man. man. Yeah, but he tells her, you gotta kill him. It's the only way. And yeah. she's like, what? That can't be the only way. <laughs> Compassion, maybe? <laughs> And that's exactly what it is. Compassion and love save the day, guys. She shows up, and for some reason, Annabeth Gish and all the other little kids are Are wrapped up in cocoons. I get the butterfly (sighs) cocoon thing. And what is this? This is like a cocoon or something? 
It's chrysalis. Chrysalis. Oh, is he protecting them? Maybe. It's chrysalis. It keeps them safe till they're grown up. But why didn't he ever do that before? Exactly. Maybe he didn't have the Dream Master abilities. I in don't Totem. know. Again, you're muddling your metaphor a bit here. Like, <laughs> I see the source of where you're getting this imagery and these concepts, but how they relate back to your core metaphor is where it gets a little muddy. <laughs> so, whatever. She shows up and the canker man comes for her and instead she just talks to it and then gives it a hug and then it turns into Jacob Tremblay she again. She uses the butterfly that the oh, mom Oh, the butterfly made. toy that yes. was in the mom's personal effects that yes. she stole. Yes, from the hospital. From the hospital saying that she she needed patient information transferred. Oh, she lied. Stole. She's never coming back. Well, she lied saying that a doctor requested this information. She did steal medical information, which is a huge felony, I think. <laughs> HIPAA violation. But anyway, yes, she gets this butterfly, shows it to Cankerman, and Cankerman calms down, and it turns into Jacob Tremblay. But Jacob Tremblay exists. He's, yes. He's sleeping. It's the dream version. So, so then it just dissipates. It's the anger inside of him. Right, but why would it turn into him first and just to disappear? Because like, it's stupid. It's, yeah. It's really weak. It's really it lame. It's really sappy. And then she just carries him out of the orphanage. And Annabeth Gish sudden, is like, wait, you can't just take him. No, she lets him go. No, at first she kind of says that or stops her or whatever. And she's like, I'm taking him home. And she's like, okay. Like, I'm the pretty sure you would require a court order or something. Yes. Doesn't know all the paperwork that they're going to have to do. <laughs> okay. And then the kid, the bully comes back, I want to say. No, she explains, she tells him a bedtime story about how all the people come back. We don't know if they actually do. Right, but she tells that story. Except for her husband. Oh my God. Who she says is dead with her child. But now he gets, <sighs> I wrote down, this is what I wrote down. And daddy got the best present of all. And daddy. That's their son? Get to see the son again? Death and son. Okay. Hey, it's kind of the same ending as Wakewood, no, man. I wrote down, <laughs> he doesn't come back to you and Cody like the others got to in this story, whether it's real or not. She's telling the story. It's within her power to bring him back in the context of this story. Lady, part of your conflict with your husband was that you totally didn't understand how he wanted to grieve. And seeing his son again was not part of his grieving process. And now here you are projecting what you wanted and did really shitty things because you wanted onto him and saying he got the best outcome of all. All like, true statements. That's fucked. Yes. It's a very fucked up movie. Yeah. I don't like Kate Bosworth. Doesn't it end with him asking, is any of this happening? And then she says, that depends on you. And it's like, whoa, can he suddenly maneuver his dream abilities to bring people back to life? Did you just know. put that on his shoulders? Or you shoulders? just put it on him, yeah. And now if he if he doesn't have that power, he's just going to carry that guilt around everywhere. Good God. Jesus. <laughs> but it's nice that she she does have a conversation with him about what cancer is and explains to him who the canker man was. It's really your mom, which again, weird that canker man turns into him. <laughs> you saw your mom and your mom told you I would always be with you because she loved you, but you were too young to understand what was happening and what you were seeing. 
and she has like a straightforward conversation with a kid who might be able to understand things a little bit better now that he's older. I loved that. But it's a moment where the whole movie just kind of stops to do all, all of its, you know, let's, we got to get this stuff out of the way. But yeah, then the movie's over with. That is Before I Wake. It had potential. It really did. It squandered it. And it's not poorly made. No. But all the opportunities they had with the dream stuff that they just did not take, mm-hmm. which is more frustrating because you do get to see some cool things. And, oh, there was the thing where he was trying to remember his mom, and he couldn't remember his mom clearly, and so oh. she had, like, a blank face. Oh, okay, not his mom. It was the dude's wife. He did the same oh, thing. Oh, yes, Benvolio said that, and he couldn't remember his stepmom anymore. he was a little, little kid. He was only, like, two. Yeah, no, that was had, pretty was like fucked up. Five, I don't know. But that he, was cool. So there are cool moments like that. Well, yeah, because it's Flanagan. I mean, Flanagan yeah. has these... We've seen Flanagan do so much better. Yes. I don't know what's going on in this movie. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah. It's definitely not his best, and of what we've seen of him, might be the worst. Yeah. But again... He's done some really cool stuff, there's so it's not of, saying much. But still, there's really fun, cool moments. Yes. And scary, fucked up moments. I will say they also watch House on Haunted Hill. Yes. In there. Yeah. So. Uh, imagine that. Yep. That was going to be my trivia question. What Vincent Price movie do parents Kate Bosworth and Thomas Jane watch in dream fantasy horror film Before I Wake? <laughs> House on Haunted Hill. All right, Kelsey. What do you think the movie has on Rotten Tomatoes? I'm gonna guess like a 49. 64. Wow! There's 33 reviews, which is why it's odd that there's no consensus statement, but there isn't one. It has a 68 on Metacritic, which is okay. Pretty good, actually. You know, considering what some things get rated. Do you think that that 64, 68 is over or underrated? Overrated. Really? What are you going to give it? I was going to give it a 59. You know, that's funny. I was going to say 60. Because there's all that promise that it just does not get. Mm-hmm. And I it, I think the reason it doesn't get quite to 60 is because it's like, Flanagan, you can do way better. Yeah. The muddled metaphors are really annoying. Mm-hmm. How on the nose the whole grief metaphor is. And I'm sorry, Flanagan. This is a... You've made a horror movie. <laughs> Jesus. Like Pan's monster. Labyrinth isn't a horror movie. I yeah. Mean, come on. You, you got a monster that sucks people into it. Yes. And the sunken eyes thing and their terror moments and musical stings. How and is like, that not... It's you, a horror movie. You, you got people mother, in cocoons. You have a mother wake up to her dead child shouting at him, at her. Like, it's yes. terrifying. shot god it's so upsetting there's some really took cool it and put stuff. it in another thing <laughs> well maybe it's because he was like ah, i didn't do it as well i could reapply it and use it nobody saw it before i wake <laughs> he wouldn't be the first writer or director to do that <laughs> be like god that was such a piece of genius that nobody saw 
yeah, no, I really like that idea and nobody saw it. Or, you know, if we're giving him the benefit of the doubt, maybe it was just, I didn't do it as well in Before I Wake in 2016, maybe now I could do it better. I really like the concept, but I didn't do a good job of it. So let me redo it and do it well. But that's giving him the benefit of the doubt. I don't know if we can truly say that that's what happened. (laughs) (laughs) So... Anything else to say about Before I Wake? What you no. think of it? No thoughts? Okay. Oh, yeah. There is no cinema score because it's a Netflix movie. Mm. That is our dream week with 1988's A Nightmare on Elm Street for The Dream Master and 2016's Before I Wake. What are we watching next week, Kelsey? It's Mother's Day. It is. So we are going to continue with the franchise of Psycho. We're going to watch Psycho 2, guys. Oh, yeah. Excited for that. I've only seen that once, and it was a long time ago. I saw it with you, that yeah. only, and that was the only in first time. And I remember it clearly and very much enjoyed it. Yeah. I was like, that wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. Oh, yeah. We both thought it was going to be terrible. <laughs> we both really liked it. And then we're both going to watch a movie we've never seen called Grace. And I'm going to tell you the year because it's difficult to find without knowing the year. Grace from 2009. All right. Any hints on what that's about? Something about Mother's Day. Uh, a or mother, mothers. A mother gives birth to... Um, a monster? Yeah. Oh, no. Evil babies. Oh, no. <laughs> That is next week. Until then, you can always find us on our website, podcemetery.com. Follow us on Twitter, at podcemetery. We're putting up a lot of stuff, especially on this episode already. Subscribe to us in your podcatcher of choice. Don't forget to rate and review us there. A five-star written review is the biggest help you can give us there. But even bigger than that is sharing us with your friends. And even bigger than that is listening to us in the GD first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? I am eternal. You know my game. Elm Street's the place you got the time. Listen to this, you'll bust right.
when that's all you have, you become an expert. House on haunted, uh, haunted, the haunting of Hill House. Oh fuck! What is her name? I just we just the canker man. He comes in my sleep. He eats people. He ate my mom. You have a kid with narcolepsy who has been prescribed sleeping medication, and then you take the kid away because he's given that medication. And then he this have is narcolepsy. I just, we just, we just, I just.